Ladies and gentlemen, this is Rant Down Babylon. I'm Van Dad Cardar. It's Monday the 17th. This is episode... Wow, I should know this. I should fucking know this. I think it's episode 6, but damn, I am hesitating. Let me just look that up. Shit, I'm so sorry. Oh my god. Okay, so we have 83 plays so far, 14 estimated audience. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Oh, wow, ladies and gentlemen, glad I checked. Welcome to Rant Down Babylon. This is episode seven. Seven. Ooh. That's 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 pretty good. And we got another week coming up for you right now. Here we go. God has given us another week. God has given us another day on this earth. Who here loves God? You don't have to you don't have to tell me. You can keep it to yourself. You don't even have to admit it to yourself. Do you love God though? doesn't have to be a Judeo-Christian God on a cloud judging you. Could be that, you know, just the part of your brain that science hasn't cracked yet. That life force that makes you, you. That's God. Smell of something you love that unlocks memories. That's God. Let's just call it the energy. The energy. Who believes in the force? Where are my Jedis at? Huh? Who's in the force? Who's... Who's, who's, who's attaining nirvana through meditation? Where are my Siddhartha's at? Where are my Bodhishiva's at? Huh? You got the crystal people, some of the crystal people watching the show. That's cool. Hey, even if you pray to Satan, baby, you can pray to, pray to Anton LaVey Satanism, Church of Satan. That's just atheism. That's just atheism with psychodrama. That's all it is. Psychodrama is an effective tool, baby. Maybe even uh, you worship Satan like uh, Lucifer, the son of the morning. Because some people believe that actually he is Jesus. There's that too. Hell, even if you're a Scientologist swearing old Lord Zenu. Welcome. There's something for you here. There's something for everyone to learn here, I hope. There's lots of room for me to always grow here. Uh... And sure as hell, there's plenty of room for improvement in society. I know y'all believe in that. I know y'all believe in the power of goodness. Huh? I'm not talking about that cheesy Hallmark shit. And it could be that too. That's part of it. But the real goodness. You know what I mean? People standing up to war. That's some goodness. People liberating their own countries. That is some goodness goodness the those hiring managers once in a while who just know that this employee potent candidate this this applicant does not fit the mold this applicant is not gonna fall in line with the bullshit this applicant's gonna work hard but is gonna want what they are worth is going to want a promotion, might even want your job or your boss's job, and you still hire that person, that is some goodness. That is some goodness. Hmm? Hmm? Let me tell you something. If you're a police officer out there and you've really drank it, you've drank that Kool-Aid all your life, you're like, I'm here to serve and protect the people. It's, it's written on your uniform. Serve and protect. It's on the car. It's on everything. It should be on the gun. It should be like uh, like you got to click like a button that says, like, hey, you promise that you're about to use this to serve and protect? 
before you get that gun. But if you're a cop and you're listening to this, it's time to think twice, baby. It's time to think twice about what orders they give you. Lawful orders, obey. But ungodly laws? Mmm, that's... Hey, baby. I ain't even gonna call it a... I ain't even gonna call it a gray zone because... Ain't no gray under the under the sun of God. You know what I mean? Under under the eyes of God, the eyes of providence, there ain't no gray zone, baby. That's like if you were a cop in the Third Reich, you were a fucking Gestapo, and you just switched off one day, and you're like, "This is some fucking bullshit." Maybe you helped some Jews. Maybe you just saved one from death for the day. I ain't cutting it short, man. That's good. We need that. If you're a cop right now, you get called in to protect someone, do it. You get called in to serve someone somehow, do it. You get called to fucking shoot on an innocent protester, do not fucking do it. I'm not even saying you got those orders. I'm in North America. I'm in Toronto. I'm not saying you got those orders, that those orders are happening. Thank God. But if you get that order, maybe not today. Not tomorrow, maybe in 10 years, maybe in 20 years, right before you retire, on your last day, maybe you get those orders, huh? Maybe it takes this docile population another 20 years to rise up, and then you get that order. We're going we're gonna to go live ammo tonight, and if they get past a certain area, we're just going to shoot right into the crowd. Disobey, baby, because God is watching. That day may never, ever come. And inshallah, it does not. But if it does, I don't care what the law says. Maybe yesterday the law changed and said you can do it, and it's lawful, and they give you that order. Only one law you really got to adhere to in the end. Everything else is man-made fallacy, baby. I don't care who, which man, this man, that man, they're all, I'm a man. Uh, this is mankind, womankind, LGBTQ kind. We are people. And people are not infallible. And anything that people make, not infallible. I'll be wrong a hundred times. I don't care. Uh, I mean, I do care in the sense that I'll learn that I'm wrong and I'll fix it and I'll keep going. But I, don't, I ain't afraid to be wrong about things. I will gladly think something be wrong and be like you know what in that moment i thought it and now i don't rather than to be afraid to think too many people around me are afraid to even dream baby and that is so sad that's what i want to talk about today rant down babylon do not be afraid to dream please i beg you never be afraid to dream dreaming is all you have What's in your mind, what's in your heart, what's in your, what's in your soul, that is, that is all you have. What else do you have? The money in your account? It's just digital numbers being propped up by what? Like this emperor said that uh, this is their land and uh, this amount of money is valued. At, so it's all a joke. It'll get you your food for the day. But don't fucking swear allegiance to it like it's, you know, it means anything. Someone has fucking two billion dollars and someone has two pennies. 
there's no 0% assumption or a reason to assume that one of the people, first of all, in an objective view of life, they're equal value. But let's just take personality into it. Let's take what kind of characters these two people have. There is 0% reason for me to assume anything better on that billionaire side. I'm not going to, I want to say, I was going to say, I'm not going to be quick to judge him either. I shouldn't be. I should assume that he also has equal chance of being the better person. Now, just like every other infallible man, I too have my biases and my flaws. And I just can't honestly say that. I can say what the ideal would be. But I'm going to go ahead and say that if it was a first guess, I would probably be way more on the side of the two-cent man or woman or L- or non-binary, two-spirit, anything. I would, man. And you know what? People are we're way closer to being homeless than we are to being that billionaire. But you know what? At the same time, that billionaire, hey, I don't know him, man. I don't know. And like I said, that's my bias. That's my first guess. And, and, that's, and that's the real truth anyways, because we have to acknowledge our first guess, acknowledge that we have a bias, and then talk to these two individuals on their own merit. Maybe that billionaire inherited it or was a part of a startup, but doesn't really care about it. He has it. He's not going to snuff it. He's going to give it away. I don't fucking know. Maybe not. Maybe he's like fucking Elon and he's about to fucking turn Mars into Elysium for the 1% playground and a few corporate cool artists. So, hey, man, but let's let's see what these two individuals are about. Maybe the two cent man is two cents because he's been hurting people over and over and over again. And they're, he's on the run. He's got nowhere else to go. And that's all that's left. And he's and it. He brought a lot of pain and and life's just sick of his shit. Or maybe he's just been robbed and his whole house has been fucking burnt down. All he has is two cents. I don't fucking know. Maybe he's one of those two cent immigrants we hear about all the time. Like all our grandparents tell us they are. Every single grandparent from Italy, Greece, Europe, Germany, Poland everywhere iranians they always tell you the same they i came here with nothing and i worked that's what they say it's 99 percent true there's a reason it's it's like hack all our grandparents say it. it sounds like they're like ripping a joke off each other but hey it's fucking true my, it wasn't my grandparents uh my parents generation with me we were the first to come but sure as hell i know they start with nothing they start with nothing fucking political refugees and here's the thing I've said this a lot, I've touched on this a little bit before now, I've talked about how like I have never not had water and frankly in Canada for me to not have water I would not stand for that and yet 70% of the natives don't have active like uh, uh, consistent water supply, clean and consistent flow of water and and plumbing, 70% of them live without full plumbing so there's that I've never had that and then also like I remember my dad telling me stories about you know when we came here 
I guess it was the first winter. It was like right when we got here. I guess it was winter or like the first winter coming up. And basically two people from, I don't know, like immigration, uh, whatever department. They picked them up in a car, brought them to Eaton's. Shout out to Eaton's, which no longer exists, but whatever. It was a Canadian uh, chain of uh, department stores, you know. They got cheap stuff. They got fancy stuff. It's it's a very like all around. Like the one at the one in Toronto was like pretty bougie, but like there was also some low key at, uh, all over the country that were just like you know Sears. Like Sears ain't fancy, but like they but Eaton's was kind of both. They competed with like the high end stuff. They had all those big fashion brands. They also had some you know just fruit of loom shit. But anyway, so they take them there. I guess, I think my dad said Eaton's, they take them there, and they basically had a checklist for everything they say you need for a winter in Canada, or like to, you know, be a citizen, so something like, they got them like two suits, they got them some sweater, like my, my dad, my mom, I'm assuming me, but like my dad just remembers what he got, he was like, Okay, they got them a winter coat, they got them a raincoat, they got them a, I don't know, like a, like a all-seasons kind of lighter jacket, they got them like two suits, a bunch of shirts, ties, casual, like dress pants, but then also like some jeans and some t-shirts, like casual, more ca- maybe some flannel, I don't know, it's Canada, right? But like some casual wear, uh, you know... I don't know. Like, I don't know how in depth it went. He made it seem like it was top to bottom everything. They did the same for furniture. Okay, you got you got a bed for the kid, bed for y'all, some dressers, whatever. We were put in public housing. I mean, when we first came to Canada, we were in public housing with my uh, with my mom. Till I was in that public housing till about I want to say like nine, maybe. Uh, not no maybe yeah like seven maybe eight or something eight or nine and then we moved to an apartment building which what was down the street i mean it was the same area from i still went to the same school same group of friends from public half from public housing half from these apartments you know it was just the the next logical step up that was when my dad got remarried uh stepmom you know She's got she's she's a working professional, so you know. But we're in an apartment. That was that was till grade ten, so till about seven, sixteen. No, no, like fifteen, 15 till about fifteen. Uh, loved it, man. Loved it. I still love apartments. I mean, I, I've lived in a house. I've lived in nice houses, but I like apartment life to be honest. But anyway, so they hooked us up. They hooked us up, and you know, my public housing. There are some pretty grimy public housing buildings in toronto it needs work in fact i think what they did now is they no longer build public housing what they do is they go to all these condos and it's kind of like part of a tax where it's like oh you're building these condos okay we're gonna need like 10 units skimmed for the government and we're gonna instead of building a public housing building which is gonna crumble which is gonna be roach infested whatever we're gonna we're gonna basically put 10 people 10 units worth of people maybe families maybe it's whatever uh in these and then we're gonna like subsidize the rent or something they got some scheme like that going so it's like 
it's geared to income. Maybe they pay no rent. Maybe they pay a bit of what they earn, but it's geared to income, uh, and they get to live in a condo. And that makes sense because, you know, then the kids go to school together, and you're all part of the same community. So the community gets humbled out. It ain't just, like, all rich kids or vice versa where you're in the ghetto ghetto and it's all poor people and then you just all you see is misery you see no way out you know what are you gonna do you gonna drug deal you gonna fucking be a rapper like what, what are you gonna do you know so so yeah man and fucking we're there but 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 that public housing we were in i'm in the area shout out to flemo flemington park toronto flemo stand up um I mean, that area, like all, I mean, it's it's Toronto, man, so you can take it how you want, like, there's obviously stuff going on that happens among poor people, I mean, I don't know what else to tell you, um, it's still Toronto, so I think there is more love on the streets, there is more understanding, it's not all black, it's very black, but it's also very brown, I'm talking South Asians, whatever, it's also very Middle Eastern. It's also very Chinese. And don't get it twisted, baby. It is very white. Like, it's white, too. A lot of poor white people in Flemo, in Regent Park, in Scarborough, in everywhere on this earth. It happens, too. You know what I mean? Fucking, you put booze into the equation. You put drugs into the equation. You put fucking all sorts of vice and prostitution and basically traps money traps into the equation you put gambling into the equation man people fuck up people end up poor so it ain't about like all 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 or nothing but my point here is even though that area has a bit of a rep well earned no one's fucking with h block flemo um i mean i gotta be honest I've seen how they these ghettos are in America, and I, I've seen how people live even in the rest of Toronto, and obviously this is like 30 years ago, so if that same unit is, I'm assuming, kicking around, I'm not going to say, like, it's, you know, super nice now. It could be 30, unit, 30 years of grime on there with no upkeep, broke-ass government, so I don't know. But for me, as a kid, living in there... That public housing, I loved my life, man. I loved it. Because what we had was, like, we're a family, so they gave us, like, a family unit. It's a, it's a, it's a townhouse. They gave us a townhouse, man. We had a garage. We had a tiny basement. I mean, not really a hangout basement, more like a... a no, we didn't really have a basement. Like, it, you go in from the underground. But we had a little... It's like a storage and pantry kind of thing. But, I mean, fuck... Um, you know, kitchen, living room, it was all wood floors, I mean, hey, uh, I got my bedroom, my parents had their bedroom upstairs, or no, we both had our bedrooms upstairs, I, I'm a kid, right, so I don't need much space, and I mean, I don't remember Iran, but it was being bombed when I left it, so I mean, ain't no bombs going off, and Everything else, I mean, I'm a kid, so I'm pretty much oblivious. So, I remember a few things. Like, I remember the ice cream truck man would come around real, real late at night. Like, not to me specifically, but, like, like late at night, 
I would he'd play the music too, which was pretty bait for what I'm about to say, but years later someone told me like that ice cream was fucking chopping up anything you needed. Like anything you needed you can get off that ice cream man. So for him to be blasting the noise, if that's true, that late, it's pretty suspect. But you know what? Also, if he's getting away with it, fucking might as well have some fun, you know? You might even sell a, a few late night ice creams. Um, I remember I was, I was oblivious and I was naive. Like, okay, like, I would go, there's a playground right next to me, right, like, a second out my door, so that was sweet. We had a little backyard, too. Ain't nothing fancy, but I mean, I guess what I'm getting at here, too, is like, if you know anything about a big city's real estate market, like, we all live in tiny ass apartments. Ain't no fucking, usually no backyards and shit. So, I mean, I would, if, especially, I mean, that was like out of the way. It's like Eglinton and uh, Don Mills near the Science Center. So, like, it's not so hip, but like, if that, if you had that, like, downtown. Hell, man, you could renovate the shit out of it, make it nice. Who cares? That's more, like, you know how much money that would cost if you were just going to buy that? Like, I've seen my friends' little townhouses. They're renovated. They're nice. They're downtown. But they're the exact same size. We're talking 800000 man. We're talking, I mean, one of those little ones that split off. Okay, maybe like six hundred. It's a condo. It's 600000 700000 800000 now with COVID rates, I don't know, but that's that's basically what we're ballparking at. So, shit, it's it, you know what it reminds me of, because I didn't live that that gangster life. I didn't. I never claimed to. So that's just, but just being in that same area, it reminds me because I saw this article and I looked it up. It's totally true. If you're familiar with Rest in Power Biggie Smalls, um. One of his lines, like, I used to cook crack, like, me and my mom, like, in a one-room shack, right? They lived in some tiny-ass apartment in, like, fucking Brooklyn. Like, a one-bedroom. One I just saw this the other day. That one-bedroom, the exact same unit that Biggie Smalls used to live in. And not because he's Biggie Smalls, just because that area is hot right now, is gentrified as fuck. It's been, it's been renovated. Obviously, the whole building's been gutted. It's all new appliances, new cabinetry, wood flooring, or whatever flooring, right? But it's not, like, mega fancy either. It's just new, and it's for sale. It's now no longer a apartment building, um, you know, for, for, for the ghetto, for projects, public housing. It's, uh, it's, it's for sale by the unit. That unit... Over $2 million. I think it was like $3 million or something. That same one-bedroom, Biggie Smalls, public housing. So, I mean, you put things into perspective, man. How much is that fucking flemo spot going to be in like 20 years? When uh, the rest of the city all around it has been built up. And it is actually a place, you know, it's not like right now. You wouldn't really want to live in downtown. I mean, you wouldn't really want to live up there. It's like, you, you want to be down here where the action is. Supposedly. I mean, COVID's thrown that for a loop, too. Why are we even in the city right now at all with all this COVID shit going on? I mean, really. But, you know, for me, I was a kid. I was oblivious. So I remember this. So I'd go to that little park, that little playground right next to my house. And there'd be all, I remember this. So, I mean, people talk about false memories and shit. 
But honestly, I remember this perfectly. It just makes too much sense to not be... There's no reason for it to be a, a, a false memory or whatever. But I remember picking up and I distinctly remember that logo. You know how like branding is so powerful, right? They get you when you're young. Uh, but I remember the logo. They were Heinekens. It was just a ton. Like maybe 20, 30. Every other day, there'd be like 20 or 30... Heineken bottles, uh, not bottles, uh, bottle caps littered all around the playground. Because, you know, it was the fucking hood. It was the hood, dude. Like, at night, and nobody really, like, some kids would play, the kids were mostly my age playing basketball already. They're at the courts. If they, if they got room to play and they're trying to play basketball, I don't know, but, you know, I mean, they play on the playground too, but I didn't really, yet, until I went to school, I didn't really know anyone, but, uh, there were no kids around, but like most of the time, what was happening at that playground was the fucking Badman gangsters would be chilling and drinking and blazing. So I guess Heineken was like the cool wave. You know, it makes sense. Heineken's not that good at all, but it's a pretty standard lager. It's a pretty standard taste and it's got like it's 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 kind of like i guess you could say it's like almost up there with coke as far as the beer world goes there's a few like yeah everyone knows about bud but no one's really trying to order bud like you order bud you're like hey let me get a bud like you like bud right but like most of the time whether people want to admit it or not, I mean, a lot of drinking and party scenes are performative. That's why when you get the bottle service, they come out with fucking sparklers and shit. They take you to a spot that's roped off or whatever. It's even elevated. It's like in the flooring. It's actually above the rest. So, and they got the bottle train, like a bunch of girls. Woo! Because it's trying to be like, yo, look at this player right here. And the bottle is oversized. These these brands make these bottles bigger. I read this all in an article, but I, I didn't need to. I like I'm paraphrasing the article, but I worked bottle service. Like I was the guy bringing you those juices and the Grey Goose bottles and all that shit, replacing the ice, whatever. So I know like it's a chump thing. Like the second you order that 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 bell ding ding that the the sparklers, it's basically like, yo, we got a chump over here. Hey. Hey, we got a chump. Look at this idiot. Spending money like a fucking Mama Luke over here. This fucking fool. This fucking disgrace. Hey, get us. Here's a sparkler, Johnny Jerkoff. Buying a $50 bottle for $400. What are you, Mr. Rockefeller? You fucking schmuck. You're probably a dealer. You're going to lose it all tomorrow. Idiot. Save it for your bail money. What would your mother say right now, you fucking putz? But anyways, it's doing that because they're kind of having fun. It's like a Freudian slip. Like, they're having fun with you. Like, what? We got a mock over here. We're going to take his money. All he wants is some sparklers. Hey, get some whores to look at him a few times. Drink all his... It's also, it's like, it's signaling to the whole fucking every girl who came in there with five bucks and, and a great look on her that, hey, we got some free drinks. Let's go schmooch with this fucking miserable... And fucking get some free drinks off this schmuck. Off this fucking tiny cannoli little prick. But, uh... Uh, yeah, so... Anyways, it's all a scam, right? And 
and just a Heineken, Heineken's found a way over the years to worm their way in that angle. Whereas, like, you're getting a beer, you know, you either made Heineken your brand of beer because it's, like, kind of like you, you, you've seen it as or it's been presented as a, a top-shelf standard that you can basically get anywhere in the world. Like, anywhere in the world, they got their other beers, they got local, they got other internationals maybe, whatever, maybe they do, maybe they don't. But they probably got Heineken. It's kind of like a standard, like, oh, I drink uh, good... It's like a Marlboro's... Yeah, they got other cigarettes, but like, hey, you want a Marlboro? It's not even that good. But anyway, so... What was I getting at with the Heineken? So how do I get the Heineken's? Yeah, it's... I mean, it's... Yeah, Bottle Surf is stupid. Fucking... I don't even know. I almost want to listen to what I was saying just to remember. Fucking hell. Oh, who says we can't edit? Ah, I remember now. All right, all right. Very simply put, uh, these gangsters. These gangsters are drinking Heineken. I guess that summer, that year, maybe it was the cool thing. But the better guess is like, it's the Grey Goose kind of standard, the bottle service type. It's all these people with quick money. I mean, they're gonna get. They're not gonna drink. A fucking cheap beer like they probably should to save because you're in the ghetto and you want to save up and get the hell out of here maybe they're kicking it you know they got a show hey i got i got heineken's we got we're drinking heineken you might even not even get into that gang unless you drink heineken's you know what i mean if they see you without a nice watch or whatever they always got something one crew's like hey we all got nice watches the other one is all about the jordans or whatever maybe it's the cars whatever it is it's a status symbol. So Heineken was the standard. And I'd be a kid. I'd be fucking two, three years old. And I'd four, maybe four or five. I remember this so well. So maybe not two, three. Like four or five. And I'd find all these Heineken caps all over the place. I didn't know what the fuck they were. But I had a fucking big imagination. So, guys, I would play fucking, I don't know, like games with them. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't think I had watched Star Trek yet. But I, it was some sort of space... Like, I don't know. I saw them as like a, like a thing from space and they do something. See, this part I don't remember, but I do remember this. I went to my friends, uh, I went to my friends in school, the few friends, like I had friends in school, but I didn't know, like later when I went to middle school and high school, it was like a bunch of people from my actual neighborhood. And by then I had moved out, but like they actually still lived in this, this neighborhood. When I went to elementary school, my parents kind of went around and, and found sort of like the other side of the tracks. Now, they weren't rich. They were like, I'd say middle class, middle, maybe a well-to-do middle class, mostly white. But in my parents' views, like, my, my, you know, coming from a war, living in the ghetto, they're driving around. I remember he said he went, he found Norman Ingram Public School. I don't even know if it exists anymore. I tried looking it up the other day. I couldn't find it. But, I mean, I found it before, but I think it might have been one of those schools that they die sometimes. But Norman Ingram Public School, he said he went and he saw, he saw like, four Volvos in the, in the parking lot. And he's like, okay, like, I'll take my son to this school. So I went to school a little bit outside of the train tracks, you know. On the, there were no actual train tracks. I mean, like, on the other side of the, you know what I mean, uh, in, in uh, elementary but so I remember going up to my elementary friends, Adam Lane, still remember his name. Shout out to Adam Lane, where the fuck you are. Um, and I remember, like, giving him a bottle cap. 
being like, you know, it's a com badge or it's a fucking, I don't know. It's like we're playing a game and like this, this is going to be a, in a, a, it's going to be a fucking late, like it's a device in the game, you know, you need to collect these to fucking power up the machine. I don't fucking know. You know what I mean? But you know what I'm getting at? Like you're just playing little games out of nothing. You're on the playground. You just kind of make shit up. You're like, oh, shoot my laser sword and it'll do this. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. You guys act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Fuck you. Because me and my cousins Ryan and fucking, like, other side of my family, they're half white but uh, half Iranian. But Ryan and Sean, we'd play that kind of shit all day long. Like, we had three summers in a row where it was all that kind of shit with, like, maybe some sticks and shit as, like, to hold as, like, a space gun or something. But basically just imaginary scenarios. So fuck all y'all. But... Anyway, so I remember giving Adam Lane one of these fucking Heineken bottle caps, and he's like, uh, I don't drink beer. He didn't say it like that, but he's like, and why are you, like, he was basically just like, why are you giving me this garbage? You know what I mean? I'm a fucking scrappy little Persian kid coming up to these white boys with fucking bottle caps that I picked up off the Jamaicans, like the Jamaicans having a ball, and I'm fucking picking up their garbage bottle caps thinking it's a fucking like a space coin or like a fucking, you know what I mean? Like this is a magical fucking shit. Cause, cause look at the Heineken bottle. It's a red star, right? It's a red star on a, I mean, fuck, fuck you. I thought it was fucking sick. I, I we could have played all day with those bottle caps. Shit. I don't know what the hell those were. But yeah, man. So grew up there, went to Don Mills middle school. That was a fucking hood school. People got stabbed at that school. Fucking, there was like, there was like older gangs of like you know the big because the thing is like don mills collegiate institute and don mills uh middle school were one building connected by the hall and we even had to crisscross somewhere so you're a little you're a little you're in grade six middle school middle school was some middle schools were different uh some some like i think some elementaries went to grade six ours went to grade five and then middle school was six, seven, eight, and then high school was nine to twelve, like normal. So, this middle school, I mean, you're a grade six, you, you're crisscrossing crossing some grade twelves. You might just catch a beaten son. You might catch a beaten or worse. You might get robbed for that milk money. Uh, none of that shit ever happened to me. I was really funny. I mean, I guess that's why I got into stand up. Cause, I mean, grade. I'd say grade three on, but for sure grade four on, I was the funniest motherfucker alive, dog. And it was always, it was mostly at the teacher's expense, which didn't really help me because I'd be getting, you ever get, I, I don't know how they did in America and other countries. I mean, we didn't get beaten. We didn't even, I think eventually you'd get, I, I didn't get sent to the principal's office that much. But what they would do is they'd give you, like, they'd force me, like, little timeouts. So I'd literally have to, like, stand outside the class. Sometimes I'd sit on the ground, but... Which, I think about it now, and I'm like, well, okay, that obviously, you know, was my fault for chirping in class, making everyone laugh, dumb jokes. So I'm not saying I don't deserve any sort of punishment. And it's fucking me over. I'm doing it to myself, essentially. So I'm not even fully blaming anyone. If anything, the loss of education from all that time being standing out uh, was detrimental to me because at the end of the day, I'm just losing education. But at the same time, I mean, as a practice, 
the ethics in that, again, I'm not casting blame. It is what it is. I was a fucking hellraiser. But just who invented that practice? Because it's not getting to the bottom of anything. Hell, I still am exactly that person all day. Uh, and may, I mean, I'm trying to make a life out of it. And I've lived a few years off and on of that being my only income. And it's the majority of my income. And it's all of my passion. So on the one hand, like that should have been spotted out somehow and nurtured, not seen as like, hey, he's, he's not going with the status quo. We got to punish him. But also just for the kids in the middle. I mean, they don't all become comics or actors or whatever, but they still, I mean, you're basically saying like, hey, this guy's, you know, quote unquote trouble. You know, I'm not saying condone it or, or, or even, I mean, if you can't encourage it. I'm not, I'm not saying, like, give them a reward for interrupting your class. I mean, you, you're the teacher. you got to teach a class. I get it. But also, like, as a concept, you're basically saying, like, you won't, you won't, you won't be uh, part of the status quo? Okay, less education for you. We're going to limit some of what you get to hear. I mean, it's, it's quid pro quo. That's how it sounds in an idealist sense. In the real practical sense, it was like, I can't teach class to these other 25 kids because this one fucking kid won't shut the hell up so i get it too i mean it's for the greater good you know i get eliminated from the scenario for the moment so that all these other kids can get their education i don't have a right to hold up everyone's education either i did get sent to the office a few times at don mills i mean they had a lot more shit going on than me i was a i was a nice boy like i would i would i would joke around i'd make people laugh in class and be silly and that would interrupt and take time but i was i mean you talk to me or whatever like i wasn't like yo fuck you you know what i mean i'm like hey hi i'm i'm fan dad how are you like i'm a nice like little soft boy so you know they had worse problems man they had fucking drug use i'm talking grade 6 they had heavy drug use they had fights like i said people got stabbed grade 6 man grade 7 bro People getting stabbed, drugs. There's girls at gra- in my grade six class who I think they had. It wasn't officially a, a daycare, but they basically had like a, a you know, a, a person on standby. And like two, three days out of the week, this person was watching the children of my classmates. These girls, Shaniqua, like these girls in my class had kids. Some of them, not all. Like, they're 16, they're 15. No, not even, what what are you in grade 6? You are, yeah, I guess you're 15, 16. Like, you're fucking young, man. No, no, you're not, that's high school. You're even, mm, great, no, 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 okay, grade 5, I was 12, I turned 12. I remember that because 12 is my favorite number, and it was Y2K. So, grade 6, you're about 13, damn, 13, yeah, 13, 14. Dude, a few of them had kids. That's that's no lie. Like, yeah, that is what it is. I'm not judging either, but... So, that's... I mean, that school was rough. That was, like, mostly the people who lived in, at that point, my old area. And, and the current area I lived in, too, was, like, down the street. But it was just... It was, like, every few streets, the socioeconomic layers, that's what they are. It was, like, literally, it was, like... It was, like... There's public. I think it was like this. Even even in the ghetto part, it was like there was like these huge public housing buildings that were like 
I mean, a lot of people lived really good lives there, and a lot of people did not. Um, then there's these, uh, I'd say they're in the same level, but they're a little different, like these little townhouse ones I had. I don't know how they decide who gets what. Maybe it's like family units, whatever. There's probably some racism. There's probably some like, oh, you're a political refugee. Like we assume like you have the makings of a, of a well-to-do person. You just have hard times. So maybe we'll give you this. Whereas like, oh, you're like locally just poor. Like, ugh, we're going to give you this. Maybe. I'm not, hey, I, I'm just speculating here. I don't know. But that's all the same Flemington Park. Uh, it's all public housing one way or another. And then down the street to where we were on Winford, it's like five minutes away. You go like up and down across a park. There's a park and then, yeah. So that was apartments. wasn't public housing, but it was cheap. It was affordable. It was a good apartment, man. We had a, I mean, they don't make apartments like that anymore. Now, now apartments, even when you pay a lot, they're tiny. These condos and shit are tiny. I had a fucking big ass room. Like, mo like, hell yeah. Um, and then in grade nine, I mean, we, we bought, we got our first house. So then we lived in a really nice house, Young and Shepherd, that actually, uh, rest in peace uh my stepmom's father so my third grandfather lucky enough the, the one who i actually spend most of my life with because i've known him for like 30 years basically uh, no, 25 26 years and i saw like every day so rest rest in peace he just died during this uh last few months he didn't have covid but he died during covid so it made it complicated because we couldn't really do a full funeral months later we did a thing where we all kind of stood by his uh, gravesite, the uh, stone is still on the way, so we're gonna do another thing when that arrives and meet up. But did a little, we did a little meet up. We brought our own cheese, we brought our own brie and champagne, cause the man, the man liked those things. We brought, you know, some fruits, hung out. I even poured a little, and I didn't know if I was supposed to do that, cause it's like a Muslim burial. I mean, we're secular, we're all drinking champagne, but I don't know if you're supposed to like. You know, uh, I was kind of being hood about it, like, yo, for my dead homies. And I poured a little on his grave. I, I asked first because I didn't want to, like, be disrespectful, you know, to the grandma and to the rest of the family. Yo. But, no, they were down with it. So then later I even snuck a I just, just shoved a little tiny piece of brie into the ground, too. Fuck it, man. Man's got to eat the brie. But so, rest in peace. But he actually... Uh, He's been in Canada for, I think, 60 years, maybe more. He's been in Canada for a long time with with my stepmom's, like, my step, you know, his whole side, his whole family, including my stepmom. And so they've been in Canada even longer than my dad and me. Um, and, the, and by the grace of God and by uh, his generosity, he bought, he gave us our first house. So, I mean, that's something you just don't pass up. That's a whole new life. So we moved to Young and Shepherd. Uh, I finished out grade nine at Young and Shepherd. I mean, at uh, at Don Mills. A, I didn't want to switch. You know, my parents were also like, "Don't switch halfway through the year. That's stupid." But also, like, mentally, I wasn't ready. You know, like I'm. I like my friends, and those guys. I go back every once in a while. Some of them are still there. Some of them I've seen downtown. We hang out a little bit, but not enough, man. There's some cool-ass people over 
in that area that I haven't seen for a long time. And, you know, it wasn't all black, but I've never had so many black friends as to back then. And right now in comedy, there's there's a lot of comedians of all colors and people who I'm, I think, you know, I call my friend, including lots of black uh, comics out there. But... I mean, we're more colleagues and associates than anything. You know what I mean? When you're friends with someone, you call them up every day. You hang out every day. You're having lunch together. You're doing stuff after. You're getting into late nights together. You're getting into dangerous situations together. Not, I mean, like I said, I steered clear of that gangster shit, but that doesn't mean all they did. And that doesn't mean I wasn't at the same parties. That doesn't mean I didn't see some shit, hear some shit, know about some drama. Uh, and once or twice be in some situations that were pretty fucking dangerous, actually. So, shit, man, that just makes you see a person different, feel a person different. So I miss those people, and, uh, they're not all alive either. Shout out to, rest in peace, Mardez Kane. Uh, he wrote in my yearbook, Mardez Kane, main pimp. That's what it says in my grade nine yearbook with a pimp cane drawn too it says a lot of crazy shit in my grade nine yearbook because uh <laughs> when i was in grade eight uh i got my first blowjob in the summer i went over to uh the states into ohio to solon ohio where my cousin used to live shout out to power home uh, i don't know if he's listening i don't really think so but i love my cousins i love my whole family out there but, uh, man, those Ohio girls, those American small-town girls, oof, I mean, just small-town America, I mean, look, I didn't lose my virginity until my 18th birthday. Not to say, like, we're all Canadian softies, a lot of my, most of my friends, I'd say probably 16, 16, 17, they lost it, right? I lost it 18th birthday, I just thought it is what it is, but that's sex, Okay. I got my first blowjob summer of grade after grade eight before grade nine, Solon, Ohio, at one of these fucking parties with fucking Powerham. He's getting his dick sucked. I got my dick. Everyone's they're just sucking dick out there. Like I remember, like my cousin's friend, ha- like had a girlfriend, and the girlfriend was there. Like they're in a relationship. But the, it's, like, totally cool that the girlfriend, like, sucked his dick, too. Like, it was, like, they're basically swingers. You know what swingers are? Like, they share their partners and shit. Like, American teenagers, in my view at that time, were insane. I could not believe it. They were just so casual. And we were kids, man. We were kids. It was so casual. I don't know if they were all having sex, but they were sucking dick. And I, I distinctly remember... This girl, those hot American girl, she sucked my dick. Uh, I mean, I came in like two seconds, man. I didn't even know what coming was. I had tried to jerk off before that like a few times and didn't even understand the concept. So I had literally like touched myself till I got a boner and then I stopped. Like I, like before even coming, just like such a boner, like that it was such a rush that I was like, ah, I, I gotta stop this. This is too, this is some too crazy shit, man. I don't even know what to do. So I fucking came, and sh- I mean, hey, 
Hey, she'll do it, but she also wants it. So she she, she was like, you ever, you, ever, you ever eat a pussy out? I was like, eat? I don't fucking know nothing about eat, eating. I ain't about to eat. I'm not a cannibal. I ain't about to eat. Uh, but she, you know, she explained what she meant. Started touching it. This is getting dirty, but started touching it. I tr- Basically, I'll say this. I'm way better at eating pussy now than I was at fucking 14. Whatever the fuck. Four, yeah, 14. Uh, I don't know what the hell I was doing. I don't even think I really did it. I, I kind of just put my tongue in and, like, played around. But, no, the part I was saying, I distinctly remember that girl, though. I remember she was saying, like, yeah, and it doesn't even matter how late I get home because my dad, I mean, he does. He just doesn't even pay attention to me. Like, I remember that shit, man. I was like, damn, like, your dad seems mean. Like, fuck, why isn't he paying attention to you? You're awesome. She was so hot. She could have been, she's like a model. She's, she wasn't a model, but I'm saying, like, she's so hot that, I mean, they're just, they're just like that out there. Like, some, some, I mean, maybe it's the white bump, too. I'm seeing them as more beautiful because they're white. I don't know, but they're just, the small towns are just filled with just tens who could be, like, you know, just doing whatever they want in Toronto, but they don't know. They work at, like, Tim Hortons over there. But anyway, so, so, I come back that fucking school year in September of grade nine, and I tell my friends, I got my dick sucked. I'm a fucking G, okay? And they're like, damn. They like they were, like, impressed. I, if I just kept my mouth shut at that moment, I might have... I mean, look, these are my friends, and I got to, I made everyone laugh. So, like, we, we would we would always... I mean, we would always call it dissing. We would diss each other. Like, all day, we would just talk shit about each other and roast each other. That's a very like hood culture thing it was so fun um and i was like kind of like the best at it so i was just funny these are my friends like i there'd be times where maybe i would have had to fight if i wasn't so funny that they'd be like ah van dad man all right man but so if i just kept my mouth shut right there i would have been i was already cool but i was like cool on the outside like you know i would have been the man because they the way they were like yo props like you're a badman whatever but then but then and then but i'm naive too and i'm like innocent and i'm like yeah and then i like ate her pussy and they're like what you mean like y'all like ate her pussy they're like yo brethren yo van that's a yama they called me a yammer like to this day i still don't understand exactly but they're like yama so when i say my my uh, mardez kane rest his peace wrote some Mardez Kane, uh, main pimp in my yearbook, and I said there's some crazy shit written in my yearbook, is because that yearbook, like that whole year, Yammer was my nickname, Yama, just all day, all night, like even some of the teachers, like I caught them like kind of saying it a few times, like they knew that's, that's, they were referring to me, like they'd be like, oh, Yama did that, and like, Van Dad, is that true? I'm like, yo, shut up, bitch, like they, like don't fucking acknowledge that, but, but they'd, uh, yeah, so there's all sorts of Yama this, Yama that, even a stick figure, or not a stick figure, like a drawing of me with my fro fucking between two legs in my yearbook. Maybe I'll post it up. But so, uh, yeah, Yama. And I still, I don't get that shit. I mean, this is the 90s, so it was a, it was a very homophobic thing they were saying because basically what they said 
is that if you and this comes up in the Sopranos too. In the Sopranos, this kind of comes up. They're very against eating pussy, which is such a like male patriarchal thing that's so stupid. And the the more poor and like less educated a group is, the more that male patriarchy shit is gonna stick. So basically, their logic, these Jamaican friends of mine, but it but like everyone was calling me that. I'm not. It wasn't just Jamaicans. Jamaicans started the trend. Everyone else copied, as is often the case with many cool things in culture. So, don't know what to tell you there. Very, very, I mean, sometimes, I mean, in this case, not forward-thinking, but trend-setting nonetheless, for better or for worse. These are trend-setting people. But uh, their logic was if you yum, if you lick upon a pom-pom, then that means, what was it? Yeah, it made no sense. Come to think, it made no sense. So they're like, if you if you yam, if you're a man and you yam, that means if you're a woman, you would suck dick. Which is fucked up for a lot of levels, because basically what they're saying is is in this hyper in this alternate reality, which of which you have no control and is just happening through quantum physics and 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 par- and you know, multiple uh, universe theory. There's a universe where you suck a dick. I guess their theory is that it doesn't matter that you're a woman because it's still ultimately you and that you eating this pussy is what set off the chain of events to create that other universe in which case the outcome is you being a woman who sucks dick. So... It's a lot. I mean, they're very, they're quantum physics people. I mean, uh, <laughs> when you're connected to the most high, it's quantum physics, really. I should have understood from the beginning. But also, secretly, that's basically saying, like, a girl who sucks dick is to be disrespected in our time frame universe. They're basically putting down all the women who have ever or will ever suck a dick because they're making that a negative. And if I was a woman, of course I would suck dick. Are you kidding me? If I was a woman, I would suck all the dicks. Do you know how much free shit you can get if you suck some dick? You think I want to pay rent in Toronto? Huh? I want to live in New York, rent free. I would suck some dick. I don't care. If I was gay, I... Fuck. So many times life would be so much easier if I was gay. I'd suck all the dicks. But, uh, alas, anyway, fuck, if I can, if I could eat pussy all day for money, like, I'd make him, sh- I'd, you know, it's got a shower, you gotta be clean, yeah, maybe I'll wear de- the dam, I'll wear protection, especially during COVID, we're talking pre-COVID, perfect world, everyone's clean, if I can make actual, real money, I'd be eating pussy, baby, <laughs> fuck yeah, I'm not gonna not admit that, but yeah, admitting that I ate pussy, in grade nine was a mistake i mean no it wasn't a mistake because you know what the truth is the truth and the truth must always come out but i guess being so forward to tell them i didn't have to tell them i could have just omitted it i didn't have to lie i could have just not told them and yeah yeah but i mean look there's homophobia everywhere i don't think those same people are like that now i mean i know they're eating pussy amen we know they're eating some pussy don't be fronting anymore brethren eating that pom pom me mash up the pom pom so it is what it is it's a different time it's a different time i remember grade three 
A cop came to our school. This is real. I remember this. I don't give a fuck. This is not a fake memory. I remember this. Cop came to our school, as they often do, talk about various things. This time they had like that like big sort of like not a binder. It's like a it's a bit it's like a suitcase basically. It's a suitcase that's like for display. It's got it's got glass or plexiglass or whatever the fuck plastic, but behind them is like drugs. But not real I mean not real drugs. It's like this is what a crack pipe. It's like a crack pipe contain contained and then like weed and then like a syringe and pills. He basically told us about every drug, which it, they should be doing and is helpful. I'm not against that. But this specific cop, he came twice to our school, and I swear to God, I remember both uh, times. This fucking little fascist cop he came to our school, and I don't remember which is which, but I'll tell you both. The drug one, the time he came with the drugs, he told us about every drug, but then he also just threw in his own fucking fascism to every drug stereotype. So he told us about marijuana, what it'll do, kind of like the effects, you know, whatever. And then he said, uh, just no one asked him. He just also added, it's preferred by Jamaicans because they're lazy. He just said that, man, in grade three. This is a man with a gun. So you know a lot of these kids are going to soak that shit up with a sponge because the man with the gun told them so. It must be true. And meanwhile, I got a lot of Jamaican friends. But I'm also fucking lazy. I don't know my whole heritage and culture. Like, I know I'm Iranian. My parents are Iranian. I don't fucking know how the world works. How I don't know, like, where Iran is on a map compared to Jamaica. Like, I'm a fucking dumb kid. Grade three. Not dumb like I'm not smart. I just, I don't think I've looked at those maps. I don't think you learn that shit really yet in grade three. It's like, I don't fucking know. So, this guy says cops, uh, you know, uh, this cop says Jamaicans are lazy. And they smoke weed. I literally, in my head for a split second, I was like, I'm lazy. I I mean, I know a lot of Jamaicans and I'm friendly with them. Like, maybe I'm partially Jamaican and, like, I need weed? Like, I, like, he wasn't even, like, he, the way he did it was, like, wasn't even getting us to, like, not want to do drugs. He was just telling us weird things and leaving us to our own devices. Uh, I remember distinctly what he said about uh, ecstasy. He said ecstasy was invented by the gays in their laboratories. This is like a fucking... He thinks the gays are like basically like a fucking Skywalker. Or no, Skywalker. Uh, what's it? Like a James Bond villain. Like, we are the gays. You found our super secret laboratory, Mr. Bond. We'll have to kill you with this anal probe. Like, I don't know what the fuck he thinks. The gays and their laboratories. Like, it's a fucking Umbrella Corp. You remember Umbrella Corp from Resident Evil? <laughs> like, the gays are the fucking Umbrella Corp over here making fucking zombie gay serum. He's basically, like, today, he would be exactly like, uh, this cop was basically like an Alex Jones. Like, Soros is putting all sorts of chemicals in the, in the the water to make the frogs gay like that's basically like these these gays are in their laboratories making ecstasy so he said ecstasy was invented by the gays in in their laboratories so they could stay up and have sex all night that's what he said which is so stupid too because like if you're the gays 
and you have this big labor these lab laboratories i remember plural so you have these plural laboratories you can make a lot of other shit you can what's this you're gonna spend all this so you can just stay up all night to have sex i mean it seems like you could just kill everyone else and then have sex whenever you want like if, if you're these like bond villain gays like or you could just make everyone gay like like alex jones just said you know says and what i don't fucking know man but that's what he told us super fucked up and i remember thinking like i'm not like i i say this in a bit but i'm telling you the truth this is what i thought in my dumb grade three mind how old are you in grade three what are you like six no eight i'm an eight-year-old fuck off i literally from two seconds ago being like maybe i'm jamaican I literally was like, well, I don't like fucking... I don't even know what sex is, dog. What? But I know I don't like no bedtime. I hate fucking bedtime. So I got to find some gays. I got to find this gay laboratory. And I got to get me some fucking ecstasy, player. Because I ain't going to bed no more. I got the... I'm getting the gay lab fucking ecstasy. Then I remember what he said about uh, heroin. He said heroin is uh, a favorite among the native population because they are dreamers. I can't make this shit up, man. This is, what, this is fascist cop. I only, you know what? I remember this plain as day, but I'll admit to you, I was not smart enough to doubt these things as a kid. I was, I was looking at it through my dumb kid lens, do, 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 but, you know, when it comes down to it, credit where it's due. I went home and I told my, my parents were very on top of my education. Even though I was never a good student, they still every day, they're like, what'd you do in school? What'd you learn? What's your homework? Were you a good boy? Why is your teacher calling me saying you were talking shit all day? So I remember in grade three, he asked me like what I learned. And I told him all these things I had learned in school. And my dad was like, this is fucking fascism. Don't repeat that shit. And I'm repeating it for comedy, for, for learning, but, like, don't, like, he's like, get that shit out of your head. He's like, look, drugs, most drugs are bad, some drugs aren't, we'll get there when you're older, okay? And actually, the, uh, he thought it was the first, first was with my cousin in Ohio smoking weed, but what he thought was my first joint, and then actually on the car ride home was like, you've done this before, you knew how to hold it, <laughs> I, I knew how to hold the joint, I wasn't holding like a cigarette, I knew how to inhale, but uh, but what he thought at the time and tried to make my first time ever was with my dad because he was like, hey, better you do it now and understand like this is a drug. It's OK. It's like not like it's it's better for you and safer for you than alcohol rather than like, oh, I tried this. It wasn't so bad. And then Jenny with big tits says I should try Coke, too. And then like I do that. He's like, don't do that other shit. Like stick with this. But anyway, so. So he told me right there. He said the word fascism. He was like, this is fascist. I didn't even know what that meant. Today, I'm obsessed about it. I'm obsessed with getting rid of fascism. It's like my life mission. I didn't know what that meant, but I knew it was wrong. I got that it was wrong. I remember when I was watching Starship Troopers as a kid. A little bit older than this. Maybe I was 12, 13. But when I had it on VHS and I watched it till the fucking tape broke. It was such a good... I love that movie. Now I'm like, ugh, but the time i loved it and he didn't exact i mean the movie is he's a he was a hundred percent right without knowing any of the context because the the movie is um it's like a world war ii sort of 
analogy metaphor and it's also like what the world can be if we slide into fascism the guy i forget his name but the guy is very famous and he made two like two three really good world war ii movies so and those that's what those movies are about so he was true he didn't my dad saw like he came in out of context saw us watching it for two seconds and i don't think he understood that it was an analogy or whatever he maybe thought like it was actually propaganda to promote that but I remember distinctly, I was like 12, we are watching it, and then he saw, um, fucking, who's the guy from I Met Your Mother? Neil Patrick Harris. He saw Neil Patrick Harris's character, who's, it doesn't have swastikas, but it's basically a Gestapo outfit. And he, I remember, he, he, he saw it, and he's like, they're fascists. They're fascists. And I remember still, I sort of knew what that word meant by that time. But I didn't click to what he was saying because in the movie, the humans are the good guys killing these bugs. But in real life, it's a dystopian movie about how society as we know it today has slid into fascism and is now... There, I mean, it's a white colony in Argentina, so it's basically the, the Nazis. They say shit like, the only good bug's a dead bug, which fucking maybe... 10 years later I learned is like what they said about Jews like the only good Jews are dead Jews like that was a Nazi slogan that's what he's referencing and if you think about it it's like these bugs did nothing these humans were on their turf they got attacked and then humans are like well we're just gonna fucking kill them all forever now and then they even catch the queen and they're like sticking shit up her ass and like just like it's so brutal but it's from the perspective of these guys winning so they're the quote unquote good guys it's like the Nazis. If they had won, like, they thought they were good. They're like, oh, we are doing this to free the world. Like, which is fucked up. But then again, like, what did the Brits do? What, what is America doing now? It's like Operation Iraqi Freedom killed, like, two million Iraqis. And when did Iraq attack America? You know what I mean? So, hey, judge that all how you will. But my dad was on the fucking pulse then. He was on the pulse with this fucking... If, I might have absorbed what the man with the gun told me over time. Even if, as a kid, I'm naive. Hey, am I Jamaican? Do I got to find some gays? I don't know. But, you know, five, five years later, I still remember what he said to this day. And I remember my dad saying it's wrong. If I didn't have, how many of my classmates didn't have the dad saying, or mom, or whoever, saying it's wrong? And just, you know, it was just dormant in the back of their heads. But then five years later, ten years later, it just... They see black people and they assume they're smoking weed, or they see a, a native person in need, like in help, who needs help because his whole whole way of life has just been fucked. And you just what assume he's on heroin or something, you know? I hear people talk like that still, still to this day. People are like, "Oh, they're all druggies. Why do you care? They fucked it up for themselves." Like, no, bro, you came, you killed them. You took their shit. You're still doing all of those three. Like, still. Still to this day. There's a, there's more than one standoff right now. There's more than one fucking leaky oil pipe. Leaking oil on land that they begged you not to build on. They're still fucking... So, you got them addicted to booze. Now they're fucked. And, you, and not even all fucked. But, like, now they're hurting. And you're just assuming the worst. Oh, thank God my dad told me that. But this is crooked shit, and this is in Toronto. So if this happens in Toronto, the most multicultural city in the planet, then imagine in fucking Baltimore what they're telling these black kids to hate themselves, to hate each other. Imagine what they're telling them in the fucking deep south Louisiana 
in fucking South Carolina and Texas. What are they telling these kids? And I actually know, too, because... So, uh, I mentioned, so, like, we moved schools. I, I, uh, I did grade 9, finished grade 9, then I grade 10 and on. I was at Earl Haig. Super preppy, mostly Jewish uh, school. Also filled with Iranians and Chinese. Different immigrants. Uptown. So the whole area, whoever, like, people who lived in the area were, like, all Chinese or Persians. Big houses. Including ours. Which, which God bless his soul, uh, Mr. Vias, he was a developer. So he actually built his house and, and our house side by side. Near image of each other on the same plot of land. But there's lots of Persian developers and lots of Chinese developers. And that was their area. I don't know. I don't know if we weren't allowed in other areas or what. But that was our area. And basically you could see in the school that there's like the Jewish kids. The Ju- there's like the, okay, there was an arts program in my school. Claude Watson pro, uh, School of the Arts. Uh, Claude Watson School of the Arts was, a, was an arts middle school. Yeah, uh, nearby. And you could have, you didn't have, it's, so in Toronto, you have to be from a certain area to go to a certain school. You have a little bit of leeway, but generally, like, you can go to one or th- of three schools in an area kind of thing. Uh, Earl Haig was like, you can come from wherever. You actually just have to audition. So whether they went to Earl Haig, that middle school, and then automatically fed into the Claude Watson program at Earl Haig, or they just auditioned. They, you could literally audition to go to my high school and be part of the Earl Haig program. Now, I didn't go to the... I went to the high school. I wasn't in Earl Haig. I fucking... Uh, I just lived across the street. I mean, you gotta let me in, baby. So, anyways. so But I went to that school. Honestly, there was like four black people at this whole school. Like, from grade 10 to 12, there's like four black people. And they talk to me sometimes, but they're... They weren't like, I went to school with like hood kids and then now I went to school where like there's four black people and like they weren't even hood. Like they lived in nice houses. I don't want to assume, but that whole area was middle class or rich. Like there was a little middle class area like a street away that some of them were there, but everyone else was like pretty rich, right? So they weren't even hood. Actually, the hardest people at that school, like there was some fucking like teenage like, there were some high school gangster kids, but, like, they weren't even black. Like, some of, the, some of the Koreans, Chinese, some of the Persians, some of the white kids, too. There's, like, one or two Italians who were tough guys. At Earl Haig, though, like, there was, like, four black people. And they weren't tough, but I feel like they kind of, they kind of, like, had to live out that stereotype. You know what I mean? Like, they kind of had to act hood. They didn't have, no one told them, but it's, like... That's, like, kind of the predominant culture of, like, at the, of the time, at least, of, like, black North American and kind of what everyone paints you as anyways. So, you kind of... So, anyways, at that school, I, I suddenly knew no black people. Like, the few that were there, I, I, I was drawn to them first. I was talking to them more than anyone else. They weren't really, like... I mean, they didn't know where I was coming from. I was actually coming from the hood, like... You know, I don't claim gangster or anything, but I, I was fucking in the PJs, baby. That's where I'm from, originally. So, they weren't like me at all. They were like rich kids. but And then they, they basically just called me Baghdad. So, I, I I chilled with them like three times, and I was like, yo, fuck this. Because they, they'd call me Baghdad. I'd say, I'm like, yo, like that's not my name. And they're like, 
yo, be Baghdad, yo. I'm like, like they're trying to like give me a nickname. I was like, but like, I mean, they didn't get that like Iran Iraq war is the war that my parents decided for us to leave because of. So the bombs from Baghdad were landing on me and the fucking bomb shelter I was born in. So I wasn't going to call them out or correct them, but they're calling me bag. Like I didn't want to be known as Baghdad, dude. I'm fucking call me Tehran. If you're going to call me anything, I mean, don't even call me that. I don't really want to be known as that, but like, you're basically calling me the enemy. And I'll be like, yo, why are you calling me that? And they're like, yo, Baghdad man's his thugs. Like, which was stupid. It's like, I could tell he was faking the, like, accent himself. You know what I mean? It's like, he, his kid's, like, trying to be a rap video. So, like, fuck all that noise. I hung out with these, like, preppy Jew kids. These, these artsy Jew kids. That became my core group of friends. Really good people. Stoners. Stoners, baby. It was a stoner high school. We found a way to smoke weed inside the roof of our school. Like, there's a section... Uh, still there. There's if you're in lighting crew <laughs> at Earl Haig, here's a hot tip, baby. Uh, where we hide, where the, where our sound booth is and shit, where we do all the sound and lighting. Uh, there's a secret door that we had keys to, that they didn't know existed because it was on the pre-1997 renovation of the school blueprint. So it's technically, it was a way that they hung lights back in the day. They'd crawl through, but we don't do that anymore. We go with the genie. So we had this like crawl space thing that was pretty fucking big. We had a couch up there. We had a fucking TV up there. Uh, and we fucking smoked weed in the roof of the school. Like malt, like almost every single day. It was fucking hype. But anyways, that was like grade 12 was sick. I needed a victory lap. So there you go. Didn't really do me favors. But fuck it. I'll trade it for the experiences any day. It was so fun. Ba, 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 ba. I digress so much, but my point, actually, not my point, but like, I want to get back to, um, but I do know that in the States it's different mindset because before grade nine, actually, before grade nine, I actually moved another time, but it was so temporary, it almost doesn't count. But so, summer grade eight, go to, uh, go to my, uh, Aunts and uncles hang out there in Texas. I mean, not Texas, in Ohio. Got a blowjob. Come back to Toronto. My mom's getting married. She's getting a second marriage. We were going to move in. I was going to live with her that year. So I had a choice. Stay in Toronto. Stay with my dad and stepmom. Or move to Texas with my mom. And I was like, fuck it. Give it a shot. So I go to Texas. I actually had to start school there because it starts in August there. So I did like a month of school in Texas. But I fucking hated Texas so much that I just left. I just left and went back to Toronto. And I only missed like two weeks of school because our school system starts in grade nine. I mean, sorry, starts in uh, September. So I missed two weeks of grade nine. But, man, it was fucked there. It was fucked. Like, I'm like... This is what I'm saying. Like, in Toronto, cop tells us that kind of shit. Maybe we have cool parents. Maybe we don't. Maybe we have another way of finding out that's bullshit. You learn that kind of shit in Klein, Texas? That's the be-all, end-all. That's your mindset, baby. Everything from that point on is going to reinforce that. So I remember being in school for those fucking two weeks. I saw more shit than I ever cared to have seen. Literally, the dude sitting right next to me in science class. Super cool black guy. 
we didn't talk much. He didn't talk much in general. He, he made a lot of noise. Like, like sometimes you'd be like, hey, what's up? He'd be like, hey. Like, like he like I don't know. He'd grunt a lot. Like maybe he's saying stuff under his voice, but not even really. It could have been. Look, if you ever see uh, the show Last Chance High on Vice, it's a mini series on Vice Online. It wasn't anywhere near this, but there's a few people in there, including a young boy named Montreal, spelt Montreal, which is so weird. These Americans think goes by Montreal. Probably doesn't even know that he's named after a city. But anyways. Uh, that kid has, like, deep, deep-seated trauma and can barely get, like, words out. So, hey, now that I'm thinking about it, this dude next to me, black guy, maybe he was like that. Like, he was trying to, like, say, like, hey, what up? But all that came out was like, hey, uh. So, who knows? But he sits next to me, super cool, you know? Fucking good to me, I'm good to you, baby. Like, that's how it is, one love, so... Um, I remember the teacher in this grade nine school at Klein High School, Klein Independent School District, Klein High. Was it just, yeah, it's just Klein High School. There was a few others like Klein Tech, Klein whatever. It's Klein High, Klein High School. So in Klein, Texas, tiny ass town, I remember the grade nine science teacher, Mr. Burnham. From, from who had gone to Texas A&M because Go Aggies shit was all over his fucking classroom. He literally one time was like, out of nowhere too, he was like, how do you have all them nice clothes, boy? Are you a drug dealer? Literally just unprovoked, just straight up just asked him in front of the whole class if he was a drug dealer. Isn't that so fucked? I swear to God, I think he said the M-bomb once. Now, I remember one day, I think it was right after he said that drug dealer thing, someone complained. I don't think it was my boy, because my boy was a gangster. I don't, I think he, like, yo, real talk, my boy, I think was a drug dealer. I'm not going to say his name, because he showed, he, he had wads of money. That's between us, baby. But it doesn't matter. I don't think it was him that complained, because I don't think he's the snitching type. But someone complained. Fuck, I wish it was me, but it wasn't. I wasn't that woke yet. But uh, someone fucking complained or got wind of it because the next day, Mr. Burnham had to apologize. But I'm pretty sure he still called him boy. Like, it's like, I'm sorry, boy. Like, it was still, like, so ignorant that it's like, you're still... But I think he dropped an N-bomb once. And I, I'm just thinking maybe it was the N-bomb that got that sorry. And not the drug dealer statement. I forget which it was. Got caught once. Did two things. Got caught once. Mr. Burnham. He's probably dead. He was old then. So I feel like it's not ruining his career. But maybe it fucking should. Um, but yeah. And in the lunchrooms. Ain't no segregation no more. But in the lunchrooms. Every table. Like most tables were like white. Like. There's like white. 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 Black white 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 like it was and then the only difference in this fucking 60 years is there's some mexican tables too where the mexican kids sat you know i kind of sat at all three and i kind of just hated my life being in texas and didn't really want to be around anyone so i kind of just like nerded it out all my other high school experiences i had so many friends in fucking texas i had like three friends and 
they would literally, I don't know if this was like they knew I was Canadian and they were actually like taunting me secretly and like kind of innuendos or if it was just a coincidence. But I remember they, they were my friends, but like one time someone wanted to beat me up and they defended me, which was sick. It was a like it was a nice rich school, but it was like it's insane. Like my the biggest school I ever went to in Toronto, like not university, I'm talking about high school. Earl Haig was three thousand, and I thought that was big. Klein High School was like six thousand kids. It was crazy. It was like a university campus, so it was rough. And uh, like I mean, it could there was rough moments. You know what I mean? Big Texas dudes too. They don't fuck around. They like fighting, and they're big. So, one time, someone was trying to fuck with me, and these guys defended me. So, and they were cool, and they liked Beavis and Butthead and shit, and I love Beavis and Butthead, dude. Are you fucking kidding me? Beavis and Butthead, fucking system of a down, baby. So, I was chilling with them, but they would always, like, say weird shit like, man, I wish we had a Canadian. Oh, fuck, if only there was a Canadian here, we'd beat the fuck out of him. Like, I don't know if they were, and I ne- I was silent when they said that because I was actually so afraid I've never been afraid in Toronto like even in some of those like rough times in the hood like that should have been scary like I've seen guns in the hood like I was never really scared and I should have been too maybe my reflexes were off but being alone like not knowing anyone in this school this 6,000 people school and someone saying they just want to beat up a Canadian Man, I was fucking terrified, I'm not going to lie. So, I mean, I thought they were my friends, but I was also kind of, like, scared they'd beat me up at any moment. It was fucked, man. Yo, fuck Texas, bro. I saw fucking, I saw what I think is the remnants of a KKK cross that had been, like, burnt in a park. Um, Dude, it was fucked up there, man. It was, but yeah, it was... Oh, man. And I'm not black, right? So, I I mean, it was the anniversary of 9-11. I got called sand and, you know, whatever. But, bro, if I was black or Mexican, my like my life was hell being who I am, just Middle Eastern. If I was black or Mexican, man, I don't know if I would fucking make it out alive. And I don't, and they don't. They don't. That's the problem. They don't. So many of them die over fucking pennies on the dollar is the real truth. They don't make it out alive. But, uh, yeah, man. So, I mean, I'm glad to be in Canada. Fuck, you you guys hear me talk a lot of shit about the government, talk a lot of shit about politics. I don't want you to mistake me for complaining. I'm not complaining. I love this country so much. And sometimes I'm so infuriated between the disconnect of what we say we are and what we actually are, that I just want to bring us there. That's all I want. Or someone to bring us there, or I want us to get there, and I'll help in any way I can. I want us to be what we say we are. I want to sing O Canada happily and not think it's hypocrisy. If that's too much to ask and that sounds like complaining, I'm sorry. Maybe we're on a different level. I'm not even saying I'm on the, I'm on the higher level. Maybe you're higher than me. Maybe I'm too low that I'm caught up in this shit. I don't fucking know. Only God knows, baby. But I will say I, I, I don't want to sound complaining, and please don't ever get me wrong. I'm passionate, I'm fired up, and I fucking care. And maybe I lose sleep over how much I care. And maybe that's maybe that's the ultimate you know how it's like, hey, no one really does anything just for 
like any reason. It's always kind of for yourself. Good. Hey, if that's true, I'm okay with that because I'll identify what I'm doing it for, the parts that are, are for me. It's Because they don't say you don't do it ever for anyone else at all. You do, but like you feel good or you pat yourself on the back or you're something. If, if that's true and it's unavoidable and it's just psychology, hey, I'll just find out what I'm doing, it, the parts that are for me right now. I'll put them right out there. I will sleep so much better. The day that more people, if not everyone, is taken care of and treated like humans and loved and respected, oh boy, will I sleep so well. So fuck yeah. I want to do it for my own gains. I want to fucking get a good night's sleep, baby. Because I am so underrested and so stressed out about shit that happens. And it doesn't have to be to me. Just because I'm not black, it still matters that a black man is getting killed over pennies. Okay? I'm not Mexican. It fucking matters. I'm not even American. But it fucking matters that Americans... Mexicans in America, children in America who just want a better life are getting taken from their parents and, and deported and their parents are getting deported. This is satanic, dude. This is fucking, this is evil shit. This is like evil, evil shit. I fucking care. I'm sorry. Oh, oh stop complaining. What the fuck are you doing right now that's so important? What the fuck are you doing? It's COVID. You got, you're on your ass. And before COVID, you were working all day at a job you hate and you were still on your ass. Oh, am I, am I interrupting you watching Friends for the 18,000th time? People are fucking dying and I goddamn care. And I, <laughs> you know, I love the audience. You're listening to this. Maybe you needed to hear that too. Hey, we're not above it. I need to hear it every once in a while, but. I'm not, look, I'm not putting out hate and I'm not trying to complain. I am trying to think of ways to act and make it better, like, tangibly. You won't see all the ways I'm doing it or thinking of it. Don't worry about that, okay? I'm part of it. I'm part of it. I'm down for the struggle. I always have been. I always will be. If you're out there suffering, I may never meet you. You may never meet me or hear of me, but just know that I am down with you and your struggle. And if I fucking know about it, I will shout it through the rooftops that you are struggling. That shit needs to stop and it's not going to happen on my watch. That's it. That's fucking it. And And if people bang with that and are down with that, let's fucking mobilize and brainstorm and get this world change happening. And if you're not down with that, I don't blame you. It's a lot to handle. You don't have to be. But I'll tell you this. Whether it's me, your black friend, the native standoff, the LGBTQ march, whatever. If it's a struggle and you don't want to be part of it, that's okay. I'm going to give you that pass. Silence is complicity. So don't fucking go silent on me. But if you don't want to actually show up, you don't actually think it's worth blocking the railroad or fucking doing this or that, you don't want to do it. From my personal perspective, I'll give you a pass in the sense that, fine, you don't want to come to the protest, 
Don't come to the protests. You don't want to vote a certain way? Don't vote a certain way. But I will tell you this right now, once and for all, unequivocally, and, and message to all the people sitting on the fence out there. You don't want to be part of the struggle. You don't want to be down with the people. Don't be. We won't miss you. That's fine. And when you want to be, if you want to be, we will accept you. But I will say this unequivocally, unequivocally, do not get it twisted. If you don't want to be part of the struggle, like I said, I know I'm repeating myself. Don't be part of the struggle. That's fine. But get the fuck out of the way. Let that sink in. Get the fuck out of the way. Because too often, what's happening is not only are you not down with the struggle, not only are you choosing to not act on what is right, but your doubt and your fear and you're second guessing everything and you're telling us not to and, and worrying about us and, and, and trying to convince us not to or trying to convince us that we don't need to be so angry and we don't need to be so active. When you do that, you're working for the enemy. Whether you're realizing it or not, you're working for the enemy. So join the people or get the fuck out of the way. There is no middle ground. You don't have to fight with us. But the second you tell us not to fight, you are actively fighting against us. You are working for the enemy. And if you say, hey, I'm not getting paid. I'm not working for anyone. Congratulations, you're even more of a fuck up. Because you're doing volunteer work. You're giving up your time for the enemy. Sowing doubt. Sowing fear. Sowing second guessing. Into the minds and hearts and bodies and souls of people who want to work for the liberation of humanity. Thank you all for listening. This is Rant Down Babylon. I'm Van Dad Kardar. If you're in the Toronto area... This Thursday at Comedy Bar, I'm having my first indoor show in over six months. It's at Comedy Bar, which is an amazing place, 945 Bloor Street West in Toronto. Tickets are $15 a person. However, due to COVID-19 phase three restrictions, Comedy Bar is very, very intelligently being so meticulous and safe that the way we're going to do it is tickets are available by table of four. So four people, $60, one ticket. You buy a ticket, you bring the three people you want. There'll be temperature checks, standard screening at the door. Every, uh, the comics are all using multiple mics with also additional mic covers, disposable mic covers. Um, there's only 10 tables spread very far apart. Payments for food and drink are contactless and brought to you uh, with full PPE. And there's nothing to fear, but there are precautions to take. So we're taking precautions. It's been a little awkward for me 
because it's only 10 tickets, uh, only 40 people in a room that's 120. Very, very under 50% capacity. And then also, it's a little bit weird. I basically have to explain to everyone, no, no, it's not $60 a person. It's $60 a ticket. So, I mean, look, the other people buy you food or they f just give you 15 bucks. It's not a big deal, but it seems like, whoa, whoa, I'm paying 60 bucks? Uh, no, you're, four people are paying 60 bucks. But I get it. Go to comedybar.ca. It's Rant Down Babylon. It's our show. It's, the sh it's a comedy show, stand-up comedy. Uh, the very, very talented, funny winner of the uh, Tim Sims Foundation Encouragement Award grant and uh, a performer at multiple fringe shows both in Australia and in the UK, Jordan Brown. She's going to be doing 20 minutes and then you got me for about 30 wash your hands have a drink and go home um very quick night 10 o'clock thir this thursday at comedy bar uh also this saturday i'm gonna be at toronto styles bar uh i'll be straight up with you the promoter didn't really give me much info uh he actually i confirmed with him three times and he still kept telling me it was last sat like the saturday that just passed he's like yeah and i'm like so then where's the poster and he's like Oh, I'm putting it up on Tuesday. I'm like, you're putting up a poster for a show this Saturday on Tuesday? No answer, no answer, no answer. Finally, the day of on Saturday, I was like, bro, am I on your show or what? And then he's like, fuck, I fucked up. It's next week that you're on. I'm like, okay, cool. But it's at Toronto Styles Bar. It's called, it's called It's Comedy Gold. Look up It's Comedy Gold. I'm doing about 15. Should be fun. Hey, we're getting back into it. That'll be my... But, but this Thursday is the big show i'm doing very rant down babylon i'm going hard we got some shit to talk about but i'm doing it i'm basically doing what i've been doing with you on the podcast but as a 30 minute stand-up routine so you'll hear some some similar things you'll hear it different ways it's gonna be a lot of fun uh thank you so much for supporting um the show uh has insta at rant down babylon same twitter i don't really use twitter much but it's there I'm Van Ed Cardar. I'm at Totally Mature now, Twitter and Insta, mostly on Insta. Um, and both on both of those, there is a link. Uh, Rant Down Babylon has its own. It's on. A, we're on all platforms. It's just a link to the platform, link to the show. And then also, if you go to my Insta, or, uh, the link in the bio, or I can just tell you now, it's link, like Linktree is the company. So my Linktree, like if you know what Linktrees are, my Linktree is linktr.ee slash totally mature now so think linktree slash totally mature now but the dot is between the is before the two e's so instead of like something something dot com slash totally mature now it's that is literally what it is but instead of dot com they're dot ee so linktr.ee slash totally mature now it's got all my links so it'll have all the shows I'm doing, including this one, Rant Down Babylon at Comedy Bar, but also whatever's coming up next. Um, actually, yeah, good time to say Kin Cardine. If you're in the Kin Cardine, Ontario region, that's a long shot. But September 25th, September 26th, Laughs and Lovers returns, baby, to the Walker House. We were there for a sold-out show on valentine's day before the whole world flipped its shit 
Now we know that, that same love and laughs, laughter and lovers even more. So we're going to bring it to you in phase three. We're back at the Walker House. Walker House was 60 capacity. It is now COVID-19 32 capacity. And so uh, we got 32 tickets up for sale for Friday, the 25th of September. Uh, going up on Eventbrite any minute now. Just waiting for Jason Wren to give me that poster. Um, and then the 26th, same show. We're at Kin Cardine Golf and Country Club. Now, normally capacity was 75. Right now for COVID, it's 50. We're actually going to do it outside. Um, and unless it rains, then we'll do it inside. More fun. Hey, on a golf club. Woo, we with the bougie whites now. Speaking of bougie whites... Uh, I didn't do this on purpose. I went with who's available, but there's me, and I got three, yeah, three other comics with me, all bougie whites. We got Jordan Brown. She's killing it. She's going to open up Rant Down Babylon, so you'll see her there if you're there. We got Hannah Lawrence, also the driver, also such a killer. And we got Stephanie Neely. Now, Stephanie Neely was with me at the sold-out show I did at... Uh, at Walker House, Lovers and Laughs. She's one of the, that show was with Anto Chan, Stephanie Neely, and headliner Rebecca Reeds. This time, all three of these ladies are such killer comedians that there's no headliner. I'm hosting. The three of us are going up. The three of them are going up one after another, slaying it. Since we got two shows on two nights, we might change up the order: who goes first, who goes last. We might not. We're just gonna go in there and fucking kill. King Cardine, we're going to fucking slay it, and it's going to be awesome. And this time, unlike Valentine's Day, it's not snowy. It's actually going to be very nice and summery, and we're going to swim on that beautiful beach by your beautiful, super white town uh, lighthouse with the lighthouse. We're going to try some steaks at the Bruce. We're going to do a little bit of everything. You know, ladies of King Cardine, holla at your boy, Okay. Uh, we out here. We got we got a fire pit going on this time. It's gonna be fly as hell. So, anyways, uh, yeah, I'm Vanad Carrar. I love you all. Uh, I've been doing a lot of code hopping on this episode. Something about talking about back in the days just made me code hop the fuck into different lingos. It's Toronto, baby. We we know at least five different languages. I know about five different versions of English. Fuck y'all. Anyways, uh, keep your chins up. Don't let the system fuck you. Don't let agents of the system who don't even know they're agents of the system because that's how docile and blind and zombomatic they're going through their lives fuck with you. Don't let anyone fuck with you, okay? And don't fuck with anyone else either, okay? Keep that harmony going. Put your chin up. COVID's fucking shit up. You know what? You're a fucking badass. You're so strong. You are so fucking strong. That this ain't shit, and you're going to make it, and you're going to push forward hard. So I love you, keep going, and I will see you for the next episode on Friday. We do episodes every Friday, every Monday. I hope to see you on Thursday, motherfucker. You better buy like five tickets right now, comedybar.ca. But if not, I'll see you soon, and you know I love you. So peace out, Bandit Carl. This is Rant Down Babylon.